Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Good evening, River of Life. How are you all doing tonight? Yeah? Hey, well, we're so glad that you're here the week after Christmas. We hope that you had a Merry Christmas with your family and your friends. But can I just say, I love getting to do Youth Takeover Weekend. And the reason I love doing Youth Takeover Weekend is because every single Wednesday, I get to watch these students and these leaders chase after the Lord with all their heart. And I love that our church family gets to experience that over a weekend. Can you, yeah, can you give them a round of applause? Yeah, they did such an awesome job, and, th- and that's what I get to experience every Wednesday. It's super amazing just watching the growth of these, um, not even just the students, but even of the youth leaders, just watching them grow um, as a team and as a group, and, and even what Sierra was saying, them getting to lead, um, lead worship at camp. That's a big deal. Camps don't usually just ask anybody to come and lead worship, and, um, and the, the director happened to be at our winter retreat, and so he asked if our team could come and lead, and so that was super amazing. Um, anyways, well, it is New Year's weekend, and so we're glad that you're here at church. I believe this is the first time I've ever spoken on a New Year's weekend, and so um, today I've titled the message that we're going to be talking about, A New Era. And, um, and when I was thinking about this, when I was thinking about 2024, I've been praying um, for uh, probably a couple months now, just knowing that the new year was coming. If you've never been to River of Life on a, either the first weekend of January or the last weekend of December, we always do what we call naming your year. And, um, and so there's actually a little card. You should have a little card on your seat. And so what that is about is it's us being intentional with the Lord and asking God, what is it that you have named this year? What is it that you are challenging me to do in in this next year? And so last year, looking into 2023, I was very excited. I really felt like the Lord had a lot of exciting things planned, not only for my personal life, but for the youth group and even for River of Life. And so I remember about this time last year, I was super excited for the new year. And how many of you know that, you know, when, when we hit midnight, nothing actually changed. It's, it's, a, it's another day, and it, but, but there's something about it that I just get so excited for. It's like a fresh start, that's, and that's what, what we treat it like, right? We, get, we do New Year's resolutions and all that, and we treat it like a fresh start. And so I just remember being so excited for 2023. And it was about four or five months in to 2023. January was amazing. I really felt like it was launching this new year. Um, I got to go to a conference in January last year and I just got poured into and I heard so much from the Lord and I was just so excited for what he was going to do in 2023. It was about four or five months in that things started to shift a little bit. Um, things shifted in our youth group, things shifted in my personal life, and all of a sudden, I felt like things were falling apart a little bit. 
I came to this place where um, I had lost about a third of the youth group. They had walked away not only from uh, youth group, but they walked away from church and from the Lord. And, um, and a lot of them even cut me and Sierra out of their lives. And it was just this really weird time. I, I hadn't really experienced that as a youth pastor before. And, and then I even had some of my oldest friends do the same thing. And I, I, I remember going to the Lord just so confused because that's not what he had said 2023 was going to look like. I remember how many things he had, he had gotten me so excited about. And so my first thought was, well, this can't be God's plan. So you know what I should do? I should make a plan. I should take over because obviously this isn't what the Lord wants. So I'll, I'll fix things. How many, how many of you know that, that goes really well when you, when you decide to take over? So I went through a really rough season where I was basically just trying to patch things together. I was trying to make things work. And it wasn't until we went to that camp that I actually went before the Lord and, and felt like, okay, no, no, no. I need to hand things back over to you, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making things worse. I'm messing it up. And so, but I, I remember in this season, like coming out of that, I, I just kept coming back, even, even this fall, where I just had these times of just sorrow, where I just had these times where I didn't feel like myself. And I don't really consider myself an emotional person, and I've never experienced depression or anything like that. But I remember just having these times where I would just go home and I would just have this sorrow thinking about all these students and these people who have left, um, left youth group and church and just their relationship with the Lord. So I finally found myself sitting before the, before the Lord and just asking him, what is it that you want from me? I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't, I don't want to be who I think I should be. I want to be who you've called me to be. And so his first challenge to me, over that, over probably a six-week span, every other night, I would have a dream of one of those people who left. And I'd remember waking up in the morning and just not understanding why I kept having these dreams. And so, and I, I would almost feel like this conviction, but I didn't know what to do. I had reached out, nothing was working. I would say, hey, we miss you at church, or hey, you know, I would, I would do what I felt like I was supposed to do. But his first challenge to me, when I finally sat down before him, is he said, when you have those dreams, you need to just reach out and check in and ask how they're doing. Don't bring up church, don't bring up anything else, just check in with them. And he said, and even when they don't respond, I want you in your free time to be praying for them. If you're taking notes, Tonight, the first thing I want you to write down is we serve a God who challenges us. There were people on, on that list that were easier than others. There were people I really didn't want to reach out to, that I had felt hurt, that the things that they said before they left, it, it left this bitterness, and I didn't want to reach out to them. But it was sitting with the Lord and finally understanding that I need to be praying for them that I was able to come to this place of understanding I need to reach out to them and I need to do what the Lord has asked of me. So 
it led me on this, on this journey over the last couple of months of looking into scripture where God challenges his people, which for the record is pretty much all scripture is God challenging his people. But specifically Jesus, when Jesus was here, I wanted to see the times that Jesus would challenge those around him. And so I'll just give a couple of examples of some of the stories I've been looking at. But um, the first one was the story of the rich young ruler. And, and this man approaches Jesus and basically just says, what can I do to get into heaven? And Jesus lists all these commands. And the rich young ruler says, I followed all those since I was a young boy. And he says, yes, but there's one more. You need to sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me. Then we see the rich young ruler, he leaves sad because he was rich and he wasn't willing to do that. We see the story of the good Samaritan. We see a, a Jewish man who's beat up and left on the side of the road. And we see all these people pass him by, even a priest pass him by and no one does anything. But then we see a Samaritan, the last person you would expect comes up takes him, brings him to a hotel, pays for it, pays for his medical, says, if there's anything else, put it on my tab, I'll be back. And, and the person who had asked this to Jesus said, well, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus explained this whole story. And then he said, who treated him like he was a neighbor? And he says, well, the Samaritan did. And he said, yes, now go and do the same. The one who showed him compassion, go and do the same. We see the woman who was caught in adultery. She's cast down before Jesus. All her angry accusers are there. And they begin listing off her sins to him. And the whole point of this is they're wanting to trap Jesus. They don't even care if it costs this woman her life. They're just trying to trap Jesus. And we see him, he, he kneels down and begins writing in the dust. And eventually he says, well, you who, who has no sin can cast the first stone. And we see them leave, oldest from youngest. And then he asks her, where are your accusers? And she says, well, there are none. And, she, and he says, neither do I condemn you. Right? And I think a lot of times when we hear that story, that's where we picture the story ending. Right? Jesus right there loves her right where she's at in her life. And if you're in here, Jesus loves you right where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what today looked like. He loves you right where you're at. But he didn't end the story there. He says, go and sin no more. See, he leaves her with a challenge. He leaves her with this challenge because he loves her enough to know, I don't want you to stay in this place. I want you to grow. So he leaves her with a challenge. We even see with the disciples, the closer people were to Jesus, the harder the challenges would become. He challenges them to stay faithful even though they're gonna be hated, persecuted, and even be killed. And I think a lot of times when we read a challenge like that, because the country we live in, it's very hard for us to understand dying for Jesus. But when I was thinking about how I, could, how, how I could come up with an example of this, I looked back to 2020. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this. There was a pandemic that took place here. Yeah. So 
during the pandemic, right, well, so when it ended, churches averaged, they lost about 10 to 16% of regular attenders from before COVID, before the pandemic. So 10 to 16% of people who were attending church before COVID never came back into church. So I was thinking about that. And if, if at the time, we were, if we were a congregation of 400 people, that would mean 40 to 64 people would never step back into church. So I started to ask myself, what would that look like if all of a sudden the government said, imprisonment or death if you go to church or worship Jesus? If we lost 16% from COVID, I could only imagine how many we would lose if that were the case. Yet Jesus challenged his disciples to stay faithful, even though they were going to be hated, persecuted, imprisoned, or killed. So tonight I'm going to have three questions. And these three questions are for you and you alone to answer. These three questions are not... It's not for you to just put the church answer down or, or for you to just guess what the answer is. I want, to genuine, I want you to genuinely answer this que these questions. So the first one is, do I want to grow in 2024? Human nature is to be comfortable. We love comfort. And growing is uncomfortable. So I wrote down the top four New Year's resolutions for 2024. And I'm sure most of you could guess these. These are probably the top four every single year. Number one, exercise more. <laughs> Classic. Number two, eat healthier food. Number three, lose weight. And number four, save more money. Great goals, all right? Now here's the stats, okay? Within the first week, first week of January, of the new year, 23% quit. That's almost one in every four. We're, we're sitting right there on one in every four, quit within the first week. 36% make it past the first month. Yikes. One month. There's 12 months in a year, and these are New Year's resolutions, and 36% are making it past month number one. This is the one that really gets me. 43% of people, when they are writing down their New Year's resolution, are already expecting to quit by February. They are already going in with the mindset, with the expectation, I'm not going to make it one month. I'll quit before we get to the second month. 9% successfully keep their New Year's resolution. Less than 10% make it all the way. If you aren't being challenged, you aren't growing. And I think Jesus gives us the perfect example of understanding that he challenges us because he loves us. 
I was thinking about the disciples and I was thinking about how, how often Jesus was challenging them and I, I kept coming back to the story of Peter when he goes to walk on water. And most of us know the story that, that he begins walking on water, he focuses on the storm, he begins sinking, Jesus pulls him out, pulls him onto the boat and he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And as I was, as I was rereading that story, I realized that, first of all, Peter's the only one to say, Lord, if that's you, call me out, right? And then, and then the Lord does, and he's the only one to step out onto the water, right? So we know that Peter has faith, right? He has faith. But see, in this moment, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This is a challenge. See, Jesus right here, he's challenging Peter to grow his faith, So, obviously we have New Year's resolutions and things like that. So, what does that tell us? That tells us human nature, we want to grow, right? We say that we want to grow. But when it comes to the actual challenge, that's when things start getting a little iffy. My youth students, we did this, I think, three weeks ago, where they needed to pick out their word. And they needed to have six goals that went along with their word. Um, and, and my leaders too, Pastor Jonathan was complaining that we had so many goals that we had to, that we had to come up with with our word. But so they had, to, they had to do this. Well, I, they turned them all in. I went through them all. And, and one of the girls wrote down that she wanted to spend less time on her phone and more time in her Bible. That is a, that is a great goal. That is a perfect goal. I love that goal. So I ran into her about a week later. And we got to talking and I said, hey, so just out of curiosity, I was going over your goals. What is your screen time? And that basically is where your phone tracks how often you're on it, what you're doing, how many hours, all of that stuff. And she goes, no, 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 I, I don't have that on. And I was like, no, yeah, it comes on your phone. And she goes, no, I specifically went and turned it off because I do not want to know how much time I'm spending on my phone. And I'm like, Oh, yikes. I said, so you're, you're a little addicted to your phone. And she goes, oh, no, I could stop anytime I want. I'm like, oh, no, you could not. So, uh, so I started coming up with some ideas just to help. I was like, okay, well, you want to spend less time on your phone, so let's come up with some solutions here. So I was like, why don't you limit your time on your phone? Why don't you have one hour of social media a day? And the look she gave me, like... <laughs> She was so offended that I would even recommend or suggest the idea of only one hour on social media. So then my next idea was, well, because she kept saying, well, you know, I use my phone for mostly just calling and texting. So I was like, okay, why don't you have for one week where your phone only works for calling and texting? Oh my gosh, she was so offended that I would recommend these things. Like her face, I, I can't even describe it, and I'm not going to try to make it. But after about a half hour, she had 20 plus reasons why she could not possibly do anything else to change her habits on her phone. See, we love the idea of growing, but once the challenge actually comes, once we have to take action to do so, once we have to drive to the gym, once we have those things, then all of a sudden it's really easy to no longer want 
to grow. See, we avoid the challenge. I was just reading... um, I was just reading something not that long ago that was talking about how often people would get offended by Jesus' message and how often people would actually leave in the middle of him preaching. And I heard a pastor basically say that if Jesus was here today, we would avoid inviting him to like a church growth convention because the truth that he was speaking was offending people. So I wrote down some of, some of the ones I, I really enjoyed and, and wanted to like put myself in that position and hear Jesus say these things. So some of the things that he said is, pick up your cross daily and follow me. But th- this next one, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even your own life. Can't love God and money. Love your enemies. He claimed that he was the way, the only way to God was through him. And this last one, I I don't know how I would have reacted. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. But what was Jesus doing? He was challenging them. But see, a challenge can often seem offensive. That youth girl was so offended that I would even recommend those things. But I was trying to challenge her. I was trying to help her with the challenge that she set up for herself. If you want to grow in 2024, listen to God and don't be offended at what he challenges you to change. So the second question I want us to ask ourselves tonight, do I want to go deeper in 2024. Over the last six months, as I was going through this time of just not feeling myself, I constantly found myself rereading the same verse. When I was struggling in sorrow, God constantly was bringing me back to this. And it's Jeremiah 17, seven through eight. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Do you trust God? Is the Lord your hope and confidence? See, because I went through a season where he wasn't. I went through a season thinking I could do it better. I could put things back together. I could fix it. I put my trust in myself and hope in myself and confidence in myself thinking I could do all these things and fix it. And the time I read this scripture, it finally clicked with me. I believe there's some pictures of these frontline hoodies that we we made. If you'll put that, oh, there we go. Um, Can you actually do the second one? The second one's a little better. I like the second one a little better. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so um, I just actually wanted a reason to put these on the screen. That's the only reason, no. 
So we made these alumni hoodies, which are our youth group hoodies. If you graduate from Frontline Youth, you get one of these hoodies. And I put this verse on them because it finally clicked. This is what our youth group is supposed to look like. This is what our youth group is meant to be. It's meant to be a place where young people learn to put their trust, their hope, and their confidence in the Lord. So that when they grow up, when they go to college, when they leave our youth group, when those tough seasons come, their roots grow deep with the Lord. Their trust will not waver, their hope will not fail, and their confidence will not be in themselves. In order to go deeper, we must be intentional. All relationships require intentionality. I was thinking about this with Christmas, uh, with Christmas obviously just taking place, and I was thinking about the difference between spending time researching and listening and trying to find that perfect gift for somebody, right? There's a big difference between that and socks, which for the record, I put on my Christmas list this year. So, but like, there's a big difference between trying to find that perfect gift and finding something that you're like, oh, I think this is what they want and getting it. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, which I'm sure this has never happened to any of you. This is probably just a me problem. But have you ever had where somebody like comes up to you and it's like, I don't know, Christmas Eve. And they're like, oh man, I just can't wait for you to open your gift tomorrow. And you're like, oh yeah, I didn't realize we were close enough to exchange gifts. That's what you say in your head. And you're like, oh yeah, I can't wait for you to open your gift for me either. And then you're like scrambling on Christmas Eve to go find a place that you can buy a gift and find that per Like you're using your leftover time and your leftover money and your leftover energy trying to find a gift for somebody that you didn't realize was you were gift exchanging with. That's never happened to any of you. That's just me. Don't, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. But see, I think that's where we find ourselves with God a lot of times. Sometimes we just give God whatever we have left over. We're not intentional in our relationship with him. See, when we only read our Bible, when we're in church or in the midst of a struggle, when our prayers are all based on needing things from God, when we only tithe when we have a little left over, and when we only serve when it's convenient for us, that's not us being intentional with God. Being intentional means setting time aside every day to be in his word. Being intentional means continually being in prayer and not from a place of need, but a place of gratitude. If I only talk to you when I need something, pretty soon we aren't gonna be friends anymore. You're gonna want nothing to do with me. But so often that's where we find ourselves with the Lord. Being intentional means having time to just sit and listen and hear what God has to say not us always doing the talking. So in order to go deeper in 2024, we need to be intentional in our relationship with God. The third question for tonight is, do you want to prosper and succeed in 2024? And 
I really hope this one is a yes. I feel like that's a pretty hard question to be like, nah, I don't really need to prosper or succeed. Just stay right where we're at. But earlier this year, Pastor Jason, um, he had a list of these questions that personally challenged me in my walk with the Lord. And he, he asked them in front of the congregation. And as I was, re, as I was writing this, those questions came back to me and I really felt like we needed to go back over them going into this new year because it should challenge you. All of us have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. So I want you to pay attention for 2024. Where are the weaknesses that I can change? So this was the challenge. If everyone served as much as you, would the church as a whole be stronger or weaker? If everyone was in their Bible as much as you, would the church be stronger or weaker? If everyone prayed as much as you, would the church be stronger or weaker? If everyone was as compassionate as you, would the church be stronger or weaker? And the last one is, if everyone was as obedient to God as much as you, would the church be stronger or weaker? I found myself in Joshua 1, and it's Joshua 1, 9. And it says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is a very popular verse. This is the one that's the phone background. It's the Instagram bio. But I really started thinking about it and I was like, how is it that we can be strong and courageous? How is it that we know God goes with us everywhere? And the answer is one verse back. So Joshua 1, eight through nine says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We need to study the word in 2024. We need to meditate on it day and night. And most importantly, we need to obey it. See, God has challenged us to obey him. But you can't obey him if you don't know what he says. If you're not in your word, if you're not sitting down before the Lord, asking him to reveal things to you, asking him to speak to you, you will not know what he says. So in 2024, if you wanna be strong, if you wanna be courageous, if you're done living in fear, if you don't wanna be discouraged any longer, if you wanna know that God is with you wherever you go, if you wanna prosper and if you wanna succeed, be in your Bible, study his word, be in prayer, meditate on it, be obedient to what it says. If you wanna prosper and succeed in 2024, you need to be in your word and be obedient to what it says. So tonight, the worship team is gonna, is gonna lead us in another song, but you each have one of those little pieces of paper that's talking about your word for 2024. 
So my challenge for you this evening would be to sit down and pray and ask, Lord, where are you leading me in 2024? This is an opportunity for you to start being intentional right here, right now with the Lord before 2024 even begins. We should want to have the Lord be the center of 2024. We should want to be intentional in this relationship with the Lord and we should want to not be in control but to allow Him to control what 2024 looks like for us because He is so much better at this than we are. Take it from me. So I'm gonna pray. Take some time, write down your word for 2024. And if you wanna write six goals, write six goals with it. It's good. It's a challenge. It's good. But let's not look back in February and go, oh, remember when that was gonna be my word? Remember when, remember when I was gonna do that? 12 months, one year. What's this year look like for you? What's that word? What is God calling you to do? What's he calling you to change? So I'm gonna pray and then the worship team's gonna take over. Lord, we just thank you. God, I just thank you for another year. God, I just thank you that you're faithful. Lord, I just pray that you would challenge us. God, that we would not look to be comfortable, but God, that we would be okay being uncomfortable if it means it's where you are. So Lord, we just thank you. God, and we just ask that you continue to be in control through 2024 in our own lives personally, Lord, that we would each surrender, God, and allow you to lead us. So God, intentionality begins now. Lord, we love you. We ask this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.